Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to the show. The Denver Broncos out at their first of two joint practices with the Los Angeles Rams today. Joining us now to discuss it and the preseason where it stands is Mile High Sports' Cody Rourke. You can follow him on Twitter, Cody Rourke NFL. Check him out every morning on his Good Morning Broncos show on Miley Sports and right there on YouTube. Cody, thank you uh, for the time. Really appreciate it. The uh, practice today, obviously, it, maybe it was a little shorter than people expected. Tempers ran a little high, although there really weren't uh, fights per se, but a little bit of pushing on a hot day. This late in the training camp and preseason schedule uh, for the Broncos and the Rams. But did they get enough out of it, you think, today to make it worthwhile? Uh, you know, I think so. I think anytime you get a chance to go against somebody other than your own teammates, I always think that it's an opportunity to get better. And I think one thing we saw that I actually would have liked as a coach and maybe even as a player is you got a lot of reps. You know, when you have practices against your own guys, you have to divvy up reps where the other units to be able to get some run. But the the benefit of having two fields is you can get a lot accomplished in separate periods. So the first team offense, second team offense, uh, got a lot of reps here. Didn't see as much reps from the third-team offense in a setting like this, so I think it kind of negatively impacts them. But I think the Broncos are at the point now where they're just trying to figure, okay, hey, we have an idea who our initial roster is going to be. These practices are going to help us determine who those final, maybe you know, if you're building out a 53, who those final 10 or, or so roster spots are going to go to. Or Actually, it's not even that. The final six or seven yeah. roster spots yeah. that are going to go That's to more here. Like so, yeah. <laughs> Um, th- this question may seem to come out of the blue, but I was uh, looking at the post today and, uh, there was a feature on, uh, the tight end, Adam Troutman. Why is he beating out Greg Dulcich at tight end in your opinion? Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a great question. I, uh, I just think Troutman has just kind of been all around more consistent. I mean, certainly in today's practice, saw a lot more of Adam Troutman making plays than we did Greg Dulcich. I'm not sure if that's by design. I'm not sure if that's just something that the Rams did, but Troutman was a little bit more of a factor during today's practice. Nate Adkins even had a 20-plus yard catch that we saw, and Albert Okuebedam continuing to stack some really good days uh, here at Broncos camp. It was really actually kind of a quiet day for Greg Dulcich. I'm you know, writing down everything in my notebook during the scrimmage. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think I wrote down Dulcich's name once, I, I think part of his familiarity with Peyton's offense is, is a big part of it. Um, it, it must yeah, be because he's been invisible in camp. If you're yeah, talking cool. about noticing Albert O more than Greg Dulcich, that says more about Dulcich than it says about Albert O. He's probably not even going to make the team. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great question. I have, to be honest with you, it has been a little surprising. I think through the first week or so of practice, the biggest thing that I observed with Dulcich is he wasn't generating a lot of separation in terms of his routes and 
coming across the middle or vertically. But over the last couple of weeks, he's actually turned it on. And, and, you know, we saw in the game against the 49ers this past week, he had one target, one catch for 18 yards. So maybe he's just kind of – it's either Troutman's going to be a big part of the offense, which I think he is. I think Dulcich will be as well. But maybe they're not wanting to showcase too much of Greg Dulcich just yet. I don't know. He could be a, a best-kept secret. But uh, I'm with you, Sandy. It definitely was a little surprising not to see him as much here today. The rest of the, the, the defense, obviously, we're looking at health. It seems to be rounding into form. Uh, we, we also saw on offense, you know, Mike McGlinchey is back. I guess, I guess I'll go to the, uh, McGlinchey before the offense, uh, defense in, in this case. But McGlinchey now uh, back at practice, uh, just as uh, it was suggested, the injury did not seem to be so severe. But it doesn't give the Broncos, it basically gives them this practice, the next practice, and then a handful of them before the Raiders to get a fully healthy offensive line in shape. In the first couple of games, uh, it's been spotty. I, how do you feel on the whole about the offensive line's ability to pass block? I think the run blocking's been pretty good, but the pass blocking ability of this line is it where you expected, or is it still lacking? Uh, I think it's I think it's more improved than where I thought they would be, and I think today watching them against the Rams, I thought Russ once again did a good job at times of using his legs, extending a play when coverage kind of got tightened up a little bit on some certain spacing stuff, but. Um, you know, I think that it's going to take some time. There's, some, you know, with Garrett Bowles, there's still a lot of question marks with him. Powers was a little bit improved, even though he had two reps on on Saturday against the 49ers, where uh, defender T.Y. Uh, T. McGill got the best of him and ended up sacking Jarrett Stidham. But I think Cushenberry, Quinn Miners, uh, you know, Mike McGlinchey today, I thought were pretty solid in protection. I thought Alex Polcheski, the undrafted rookie free agent offensive tackle, also got some run with the ones. He's been very solid with both the first and second team offensive units in terms of protection. So uh, it's good. I think the communication is better. That's one thing I think that they really struggled with last year is just a lack of communication between the guard tackle and sometimes the guard center on the left side. And it looks like it's much more improved right now than where we saw last year. You know, Russ does have more time to throw. So that was nice to see some wrinkles against a new defensive front that you haven't gone against so far today. And, they're going to have to continue to build on that because I know when they play the Raiders week one, they're going to play Crosby out wide. Same thing with Chandler Jones. And if Tyree Wilson is, is healthy and ready to go, he's going to be a little bit of a force at the defensive end spot or defensive tackle for them. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge. And there's going to be a lot of different stunts, some nickel blitzes from them that we're going to see. And that's where the communication piece has to really come into play here for the offensive line. Who has been – maybe apart from Zach Allen, who was supposed to be good, the most impressive of the Broncos in camp overall as we speak on the verge of uh, camp being officially closed down as of the end of this week? Yeah, I mean, outside of Zach Allen, I mean, I, like I said, I think the guy who's been so consistent is undrafted rookie free agent Jaleel McLaughlin. Exactly. He'd, he'd be one of my guys. Like, yeah, my guys are Drew Sanders and McLaughlin. And, Cody, you were on you were on top of McLaughlin all the way back right. uh, immediately after he was signed. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just looking, okay, hey, NCAA's all-time leading rusher. Okay, how did he do that? Oh, geez, this guy's fast. Saw an OTAs, even though there were no pads. And I think the one thing we said was, all right, you know, when training camp comes around, how does he look in pads? And then once pads came on, we're like, all right, how does he look in a preseason game? So far, he's done every bit of that and a little bit more. I agree with Drew Sanders. I think from week one of the preseason to now, he's made a drastic change. And 
And I, Sandy, I also think something with Drew Sanders that we will see here. Vance Joseph kind of alluded to it. He said, we got some things planned for him that we're going to unveil in the fall. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a wild now. card. Yeah. I think he'll be, I think he'll be, I think he'll do some edge rushing stuff in certain packages for the. Yeah, Broncos. nothing too complicated because he's still learning yeah. the defense. But <laughs> yes, uh, to turn him loose as a pass rusher, I think is playing to existing strengths for sure. Yeah. And I would say what we saw from like the first part of the preseason, I feel like his first game out there thinking a little bit too much because, I mean, it's a, it's a fast game, as we all know. A lot of stuff coming out. I thought in the second game, he looked like he was just much more comfortable out there. And, I mean, he was almost too comfortable to the point where I thought, he, you know, he jumped a route in the in the pass coverage game there. It ended up being incomplete, but I thought he tried to intercept it before it was interceptable and deflected it at the same exact time. So his reaction, his instincts are good. He's physical, and uh, I think he's got a good group of guys in that room that, to kind of learn from with Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell and obviously linebacker coach Greg Manuski, who's uh, played in the game, you know, for a good portion of his career um, veteran guy there knows what he's talking about. So they got they got a little bit of guys who are a little uh, wired differently. I'd say in that linebacker room, is, as Josie and them would point out. So that's a good sign there. But, yeah, I'd say some young guys stepping out, which I, I think is good because, you know, you the expectation is that the veteran guys that you sign or guys that have been on the team for several years, you expect them to play at a big level. But you want to see your rookie guys and your young guys step up. And so far they got a really good contribution class so far from a good portion of these young guys. What didn't you see today that you'd like to see tomorrow in joint practices with, given the fact that the starters contribute in that, it's really our last chance to see them in the preseason. Yeah, I'd like to, I mean, I wish I had four eyes so I could see both fields at the same exact time. It's tough, but you know, they, mm-hmm. they started off the Broncos offense on the far field from us. And so it's in between every snap between you know, the defense near us, trying to get a glimpse and writing down offense, defense, offense, defense. Uh, you know, for me, I, I feel like you got to see a little bit more of a, a, a better performance from the Broncos receivers. I felt like today there were some drops. Jerry Judy had a drop or two on the day. Cortland Sutton had a drop. Uh, you just want to see a little bit more efficiency. And uh, also penalties were an issue today. They had several false starts, and that's something Sean Payton doesn't want to have happen in the regular season. They're going to have to clean that up. But uh, tomorrow I would like to see some of those adjustments come in. I'd like to see Jerry Judy have a little bit of a bigger day. Yeah, I mean, I, I was out there practicing with you and some of the notes. As you mentioned it, uh, listening you know, to the, the guys talk yesterday, Peyton, I literally wrote down the wide receiver's focus and concentration. He called out the whole unit, not just uh, Jerry Judy, yeah. and said that that has been a, kind of a problem throughout at this point. It's something he really would like to see fixed, that it really is a, believes is a focus and a concentration issue, not an ability issue. And uh, that leads over to the penalties as well. Is this, to your mind, a, a little bit of carryover from last year where things were very relaxed and they weren't a, really a, a detail-oriented, or is this sort of a new problem that Peyton is trying to get as it crops up? Uh, you know, I think it's you, you got to exercise some demons, right? And I think that Denver, as they've gotten a little bit more ingrained in some competitive periods, they're going against another team everything's full go, right? And I would say that's probably the one thing. Maybe guys are thinking too much pre-snap. I know, but they're also fighting. He also said, you know, you're fighting through, you're getting a lot of reps. So, hey, this is a conditioning thing. Uh, Guys are battling fatigue. It's hot outside. Like, this is where you want to build mental poise is what he talked about specifically. I I think that's just it, and I think that this is a good opportunity for them. And, look, now you get it on tape, and it's things that you can preach on because, hey, Denver in week three, they're going to have to face the Miami Dolphins, what could be up to 110 degrees total on the field. 
with the humidity there in South Beach. But good test overall. And I do want to give a shout out to one wide receiver. I think Kendall Hinton stepped up in a big way for the Broncos today, had a couple of passes where he hauled it in with the first team offense, moved the chains. And then toward the end of practice, hauled in a 27 plus yard catch downfield that gave the Broncos a little bit of an advantage there. And then obviously there was a false start that backed them up and ended up the, uh, ended the period as we joked, Hey, that's the longest, longest penalty ever because they were, I think they were on the 25 yard line driving in at that point after marching about maybe 50 yards downfield. And then all of a sudden they backed it up on the other side of the field. So a nice little joke that we had there with NFL Network's James Palmer, but uh, yeah, that's something I want to see a little bit from these guys coming into tomorrow's practice, and uh, I think it'll be a good one. Overall, I thought it was a clean, competitive practice, and uh, yeah, some of the mistakes, you want to sharpen up on that, and we'll we'll see if they do. Uh, is there really any point in paying attention to the performances on Saturday night in the game? You mentioned six, seven spots, uh, maybe up for grabs. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, the other rookie who, at least in the games, has shown out well, and uh, that would be Garcia on the defensive mm-hmm. line. Um, is he secured a spot, do you imagine, or would that be a premature judgment? Yeah, you know, it's tough to say, right, because obviously two sacks in that first game, interception in the other one, uh, I still think they want to see a little bit more from him, but I think he's on the right track. Now, he'll play. He'll play Saturday. Yeah, he'll play. He will He play. might play the whole game. Yes. Yeah, honestly, I don't think, yeah. I don't think yeah. starters are going to play much at all. I think no, I think McLaughlin will play the whole game, and Garcia will play the whole game. Yeah, which will be good. And they just and, and part of me also thinks maybe he's not completely locked in yet just because they signed a defensive lineman from the 49ers here this morning. Right for practice so they want to see a little bit more but that could also be an indication on other guys not Mm -hmm. necessarily related to Jackson I think him and Henningsen those guys have in my opinion have earned some earned the right to be backups at defensive end and I think with Mike Purcell set to come back and I think he was activated off the NFI list today after restructuring his contract he's going to be more than likely a guaranteed fit there so I think that kind of puts maybe guys like Tyler Lancaster into a question I think more so they're going to try to bring him back onto the practice squad but, yeah, Denver's going to need that um, contribution. They're going to need a guy like Purcell with how big and physical he's. My only question with that is, hey, he hasn't practiced all training camp. Is that going to impact him ahead of their first game against the Raiders? So, for for me, I think you need a guy like Jackson who can play a defensive tackle, can play defensive end. You're going to need contributions from these guys at some point this season. Might as well get a look at a guy who's got a high motor right now and uh, see if he can continue to build off of it. Last one for you, Cody. Pat Sertan spoke after the practice and, and talked about Russell Wilson. And the term that he used was, quote, more confident and more poised in the pocket. I thought that was interesting because you're talking about a guy that practices against him. And he was asked specifically about Russell Wilson and adjusting to the new offense. I think we saw a, a player that looked more confident in the offense in the second preseason game than he did the first I think it's very obvious that Russell Wilson is trying to fit into this offense and doing what he's being asked to do. When you look at Russell Wilson from day one of training camp to now, do you see the same thing as Sertan, and how much further do you think he has to go? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there's been a drastic difference because I think at the first part of training camp, the defense a little bit more along than the offense. But once Russell and I think the offense started getting comfortable as a whole we started seeing him just getting the ball of his hands quickly, knowing where he's going, having confidence and having patience. And I think ultimately having trust in his guys. I mean, Sean, Sandy, you guys both saw it last year 
there were times where it just didn't seem like Russ trusted his guys around him on the offensive line. And, and granted, I mean, when you've been hit as many times as Russ has, I'd have a hard time trusting him as well. But it seems like he's got more trust and faith in the guys around him. And also, I think, in himself to be able to do the things that Sean Payton has said, hey, like we need to get you back to doing these things that you were doing so well in Seattle. Let's not make you into a new player. Let's make you into the guy that you have always been. And I think we've seen that, and I think Russ is way more comfortable with that, and you can definitely tell in practice. And I think you can even tell a little bit so far in the first two preseason games. He is Cody Rourke. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, Cody Rourke NFL, and check out everything he's putting together at My Life Sports uh, on a regular basis on the Denver Broncos. You want to check out My Life Sports and get the latest from Cody, as well as check out Good Morning Broncos uh, every weekday morning on YouTube at MyLifeSports.com. Get all of that in the My Life Sports app. And go get the magazine, by the way. Uh, interviews with Sertan, interviews with Baron Browning, interview with Kareem Jackson, all penned by one Cody Rourke. So get it, get that anywhere uh, all around town on shelves. Cody, appreciate it so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Andy. See you guys later. All right, take care. Cody Rourke joining us. Uh, he's a busy, busy, busy man. I don't know where he gets the energy, to be totally honest. But it is a uh, an intriguing week when the joint practices come about. And Sean Payton did talk about some concerns. We talked about ex- He talked about exercising some of the demons Cody did. Uh, we'll let you hear for yourself what Sean Payton said, what he didn't like, and it came right off the bat, by the way, in his post-practice press conference. We'll let you hear it next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The discussion after the practice from one Sean Payton was uh, first and foremost a very gracious and timely congratulations to, of course, Randy Gratishar, who has been named as one of the three finalists for the uh, senior committee, advanced to the senior committee from the hopefully getting to the Hall of Fame, and Gratishar came out and spoke later. But asked uh, afterwards, the very first question about today's practice, he was asked what he was hoping to see on film once he had a chance to go look at all of it today, and his his answer might not be what you were hoping for. It's not what I'm hoping to see on film today. It's what I'm hoping to see tomorrow, then, the corrections. Uh, I thought on the offensive field where I was, we had too many false starts. I, I thought we, we tired pretty quickly. You know, um, they were going a lot of plays relative to maybe what they're used to and, and even more than, than a real game would present. But I, I think it's good from a conditioning standpoint. You know, mentally, there's some mental toughness that, that's required to play. Poise, all those things required to, not to play, but to play well and to win. And so um, those challenges, you know, kind of came up a little bit. We'll, we'll watch those on tape. And then uh, the key is, you know, making the corrections and, and then, um, you know, hopefully not having to see the same mistake from the same player again. This is the second to last day of camp, and I appreciate his candor, but if the previous coach had been more inclined toward candor, I imagine a year ago at this time, the previous coach would have been saying many of the same things. Now, the previous coach was the king of happy talk. And 
to Sean Payton's credit, he isn't into that as much. You know, there, there, there are a few eye rollers here and there. But for the most part, I mean, that's a pretty direct and harsh assessment. And it's disturbing at the same time because he's saying they're making mental mistakes and they are tiring quickly. Tiring quickly were the two words that jumped out. At I mean, he even said he's trying to put a positive spin on it. I think it's good from a reconditioning standpoint. And that was his, his quote. So obviously there, there is still a little bit of concern that this team this late in the game maybe isn't in the shape he wants uh, them to be in. Yes. And wasn't That's that a bit of a yikes. supposed to be job one? Right back to OTA. first OTA. Yep. We'll be running and lifting. Aren't those conditioning devices? They are, but I think there's also the idea that in the offseason, there is a it, – it's sort of weird in the NFL, right? Because if you get hurt lifting on your own, like K.J. Hamler, uh, that's on you, and the team it's might end up just waving you. Related. Non-football related. Uh, Mike Purcell, yeah. same thing. Yeah. Um, but if no, you I, aren't not, lifting in the offseason, you might right. find yourself, it's it's a weird I, I, line I, to balance. Listen, I understand, and I understand that, that uh, most of the offseason stuff is quote-unquote voluntary. And I've always said it's voluntary in a mandatory sort of way or mandatory <laughs> yeah. in a voluntary, it's voluntary sort of Voluntary if you'd like to be on the uh, team. Yeah, um, especially with a new coach. Um, I, I'm not being critical of him in particular or his training methods. What I'm saying is that no matter what you say, uh, you know, in the actual execution, uh, when it comes to the starting quarterback, for example, he played one more series than he did in the second preseason game a year ago. That's not a huge difference. Now, uh, he looked fine during that one series, but they didn't get into the end zone. Of course, the 49ers didn't either with Purdy, and Purdy looked fine. But Purdy's coming off an elbow injury. You can understand what they're being right. cautious and taking things slow. And by the way, they named Sam Darnold as the backup today over Trey Lance, and I have no idea what that means for Trey Lance. And you know something? I'm not sure they know. I don't know if they, they have in mind the for Niners, Trey Lance. I don't even think it matters. I think they know they're keeping all three. And they'll take and it as it maybe comes. Maybe it doesn't. And Kyle Shanahan has said, by the way, that uh, wish they the competition for the backup spot will continue into the regular yeah, season. Why wouldn't it? Which means that if <laughs> if it is the 49ers, after all, if the inevitable injury happens to the starting quarterback, then uh, you know it might depend on the team they're going up against as to whether Darnold's the choice or Lance is the choice. And it was interesting to hear him talk about scout team. They said, you know, one way to get Lance reps, if he isn't starting, put him on a scout team. He'll get plenty yeah. of reps in practice. I and, thought- and doesn't the backup usually man the scout team? And in this case, Darnold would get, even as a scout team quarterback, almost no work in practice. So it's, it's kind of a weird situation. But anyway, getting back to what's going on here, I just think this team, both above and beneath the shoulders, has a lot of issues still. 
and we'll have Rick Perea sitting in for you tomorrow. Yep. He'll be uh, honored tomorrow. Well, or part, part we, of a part we, of a crew. We're proud of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Part of the crew um, at the old uh, high school. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Dr. Rick Perea will be uh, sitting in, and I, I think it'll be a good opportunity to explore more deeply with Rick uh, what ails this team. And fundamentally, I think it's from the neck up. Uh, I, I check up from the neck up, and I I think their intentions and the way they've gone about their business makes more sense this year. But there's a lingering carryover not only from last year but from the last six years, and it has put the Broncos in the unusual position of being considered kind of a mid level third tier NFL team if you break down the league I think that's eight fair. by sure. eight by eight by eight sure. four tiers they're in the middle of the third tier and that means that they might not be one of the ten worst teams in the NFL but it seems pretty clear to me they're still one of the five worst teams in the AFC and that's all that really matters. Yeah. They don't pick playoff teams on the basis of where you rank, for example, uh, overall, whether you're in the top 14 or not. That's not how it works. No, You have to be one of the best seven teams in your conference. And right now the conference is up. It's up. It's deep. It's strong. You've got four first-place teams. The Broncos aren't going to be one of those four. No. Barring a whole bunch of unusual things While you're picking on the Broncos. The Chargers aren't going to be one of those four, and the Raiders aren't going to be one of those four. Okay, so they're going to be four first-place teams. The Broncos won't be one of those. That leaves three wild-card teams, and you've gone down the list of all the teams, many of them on the Broncos' schedule, that they'd have to beat to at least secure wild-card position Mm -hmm. because the first wild-card tiebreaker is head-to-head competition. Sure. And you've got games this year against Cleveland, uh, the Jets, New England. Those uh, those are uh, all teams uh, that are going to be in the those mix. Are, those they're, are teams you have to beat. They're roughly the Broncos level, right? Yes. Roughly. And they're all home games. And the three I mentioned are all home games. If they lose one or, it's goodness be, gracious, as John Wood tight. might say, two of the three, uh, all three, we know what that means. Yeah. Uh, but even two of the three, they, there's no way they can make the playoffs that, they, that I can see, unless they beat the Chiefs and Chargers. Yeah, three all of a sudden you're four, you're having to beat teams you, you aren't expecting right. to beat. Right. And in that case, on top of that, at times, then you try to figure, well, what kind of team are you? Are you the team that but, but played it, well it, against it, the good teams? Is, or are you in, the team in a strange not, way to draw know, a, an analogy of sorts with with CU, uh, I know we had Justin Adams on last week, and we'll have Justin with us on Friday. Uh, this week as, as you return uh, the day after mm-hmm. tomorrow. And last week I made the observation that uh, some have uh, contended, and I, I was asking Justin, uh, who knows more about this than I do, it, it, that I had seen no reason to disbelieve the notion that of the 12-game CU plays this year, they will be at a talent deficit in 10 of those 12 games. Well, Justin said, wait a minute, you got to be kidding. Arizona, Arizona State. Well, not that this is definitive. Again, it's just opinion. But this week, the athletic rank, every FBS school, 1 through 133, 
Georgia at the top, UMass at the bottom at number 133. And guess what? Ten of the 12 teams on the CU schedule are thought to be better teams going into the season. The only two exceptions are CSU. Uh, CU is rated number 84. CSU's at 106 and Stanford's at 95. Every other team, most of them by a considerable margin, are ranked higher than CU. TCU's number 15. Nebraska's number 72. Oregon, number 14. USC, number 6. Arizona State, number 78. Not that far removed from CU, but still ahead of them. UCLA, number 32, Oregon State, number 17, Arizona, number 71, Washington State, number 46, and Utah, number 12. But let me give you the difference uh, there uh, between I'm the Buffs and the Broncos. No, I'm just My point is there's an AFC deal here. Mm-hmm. CU, I, I mean, after going 1-11 last year, I think number 84 out of 133 looks pretty good. Sure. Right? That looks pretty good. And the Broncos, as an overall NFL team, probably aren't in the top 20, but they're probably not in the bottom 10 either. They're probably 22, 21, maybe 20 if you stretch things. Okay. But in the AFC, they're not in the top 10. And if you're not in the top seven, you're not in the playoffs. So what difference does it make if you're the ninth best team in the AFC or the 15th best team in the AFC, except a game or two, on, on your record, you're not going to the playoffs either way. And the reason that you can be sort of uh, bullish about the chances, and I say chances, we're talking about about the Buffs, is they've brought in so much talent that the talent deficit on the roster may have been significantly decreased, even though the other teams are, I think, demonstrably better. But, Most of them are demonstrably better. But the Most, talent differential has decreased. With the Broncos, because of the trades they've had to make to obtain Wilson and Payton, they are not the more talented team in most well, of these cases, well, nor are they the more demonstrably and, successful and team. We don't use the word every time necessarily. But every conversation we have about the Broncos sooner or later says they don't have any depth. Def. And I'm not sure they have 22 legitimate NFL starting players. The discussion, I mean, I, I could, I don't, no need to name names, but I mean, where the media is assembled to watch that, uh, depth is the word on everybody's mind. It's, it's, a, it's depth, and there's no way around it. They've made moves to obtain the people that they've gotten there now, and that's the reality of it, and there's really no way around that. It is, it is real, and the only way it can be alleviated is over time and it just can't happen this year the broncos cannot all of a sudden become deeper it requires new players or to a certain extent players reaching what the broncos hope they will be we talked about drew sanders or julio mclaughlin okay but they're on the roster now and the broncos are already hoping and maybe even counting on them hitting those levels so that isn't really even part of your quote-unquote depth because that's the expectation What, what we're talking about is who looks? Who is? It is in a situation where you look at them and say, if they had to start, you might be pleasantly surprised to realize, wow, this guy should start all the time. I don't know that the Broncos have virtually any players that are that are your listed as your right now number two on the depth chart. That if they started, you would go, wow, what a pleasant surprise! This person could start. I believe, and you believe that Drew Sanders by the end of the year might be one of those guys, but yes. he's not right now. 
No, no, he doesn't know the defense well enough. Now, as a wild card player, you stick him in and said, uh, here's what you do. And Drew Sanders. But especially is, in some of these cases, Drew Sanders go get the quarterback. Yes, yeah. is, is a bright guy. Mm-hmm. But you might, if you're training him as an inside linebacker, that's fine. But most of his collegiate career, well, at least the last year of his collegiate career, he's playing on the outside. Yeah. So we because, know. Because he, of his speed. It, it's not, get after the quarterback. That's mm-hmm. not complicated. Uh, reading, you know, your keys and uh, coverages that you're assigned to, you may blow some of those or you may miss time or misjudge. I, I'm perfectly fine with him being given the assignment of just going after the quarterback, but that's a specialty thing. That's, that's a few. And the truth is the Broncos have a week. lot of that's guys who lot. that's their job already. I mean, well, Randy okay. Gregory and but Frank he, Clark, here, and Jonathan Cooper, and Nick Benito, Aaron Browning when he comes back. Here's my deal. None of these guys, none of these guys, uh, uh, the younger guys that we're talking about, None of them are proven. Clark hasn't had a good year since 2018. And somebody had a great line the other day. I think it might have been Bill Barnwell. Uh, Just hypnotize Frank Clark and tell him it's January when it's September. (laughs) And he'll be great because he is the leading sacker in postseason play in the history of the NFL. No, he's played in the postseason just, a lot. Just got to get him Kansas to City. ramp it up. No, but he's been a, gr- in, he's in been a regular very good season. Per- very he's good a very ordinary player at best. In the playoffs, he's been good. But, again, we get to the Broncos where playoffs are no longer an assumption. In fact, it's assumed they won't make the playoffs. Uh, and that's been true the last seven years out of seven. That assumption that they won't make the playoffs has turned out to be true. And – I know that uh, it was acknowledged uh, earlier in this hour, but right now I'd be disturbed by the fact that Jerry Judy hasn't done a thing in camp. Cortland Sutton hasn't done a thing in camp. And Greg Dulcich, I'm sorry, he's getting beaten out cleanly by Adam Troutman. He's the invisible man in training camp. He has regressed. And by the way, what in an offense that we were all told was ideally suited for Greg Dulcich, he's he's at best the second and tight Sean end Payton right today now. Called at out best. receivers for their lack of focus and drops. There you go. And, and didn't single there out a person. You go. Talked about the whole. The whole he said group. receivers. The whole group. So that is a concern. But look, all of this these, is these great Bronco receivers that every year we are told, hey, this year will be different. They're gonna be great. Well, we'll see. They need to be great. But regardless, see, you can solve that because that's the sound of football coming back. And now is the time to place your preseason bets to Superbook Sports. Superbook's the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use the promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. And that means win or lose, they'll match that first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. So don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports, you know, your own brain, and the promo code Mile high. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sandy, out there at practice today, I was thinking, knowing that on Saturday we're probably going to watch Stetson Bennett versus Jared Stidham, what the Rams may have done right and the Broncos may not have. I'll explain next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. 
Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Fortunately, today's joint practice looked like a practice and not the 51-14 to beatdown that we saw the Rams put on the Broncos <laughs> last Christmas behind quarterback Baker Mayfield. But watching the practice today, I was sort of struck by watching the Rams' Stetson Bennett and not because Stetson Bennett looked amazing to me. But I think the Rams are doing something that I have suggested for a while that I think is starting to come to fruition. Bennett was picked in the fourth round. Uh, Bennett is substantially older than your usual rookie. Obviously, he'll be 26 uh, yeah. in just a couple of weeks. But he's also the started. quarterbacking version right. of Garrett Bowles, at least right. in that respect. But you've talked about this before. Sometimes the value is how many times did a guy play? Yes. And that helps. And yes. Bennett played, and Bennett was very successful. And he was better than people thought he would be last year, yes. admitting that Georgia was um, obviously a team that surrounded him uh, exceptionally well and obviously had a great defense, too. So he didn't have he didn't to carry be the team, but he was a magnificent part, he was, every He week. was good. But he was good and better than people thought and he, he would be. And he bested the guys ahead of him to take the spot. Exactly right. And Bennett, for the next four years will be under the, the Rams' team control, and the most he'll make is in the 2026 season in which he makes $1.3 million. Right. That's a good backup. Now, that's the that's thing. Good backup. I don't think, because every time, right, and this is just the nature of the position, every time an NFL team picks a quarterback, could this guy be a future starter? I firmly believe that Sean McVay and the Rams pick Stetson Bennett, knowing that he probably will never be their starter, nor even caring. I agree. But look over to the Denver Broncos where Jared Stidham, <laughs> who has looked abysmal, got a two-year $10 million deal. And the, uh, admittedly, only this year is guaranteed. Correct. Correct. Guaranteed uh, money runs out. Right. But after the, but the guaranteed ended up being $5 million. Oh, yeah. <laughs> $5 million. That's no, more than three. all of Stetson Bennett's rookie contract right. will cost right. him for I, one I, year I of Jared Stidham. No, and, that's, interesting... and that's not getting into the guys, the name guys. Okay. I think that the, the Rams are no. being smart here and saying, that's... you know what? We identified our backup, and we're going to save a ton of money on it, which we can spend on other things. But again, By picking Stetson Bennett in the fourth, instead of signing Jared Stidham, you save $4 million right. this year alone, right. which you're the Denver Broncos I... you could have used. It takes us back once again. We keep circling back to the same themes. The Broncos had no draft choices. Right. And, and you couldn't when, use it on. When, yeah. when, when you say they've drafted badly, a big part of that is not having drafting capital, not having enough Correct. picks. All right. They had five picks this year. Mm -hmm. None, How yeah. much can you do with five picks? Not a lot. You didn't have a pick in the first round. You didn't have a pick until almost the tail end of the second round, and you had to move up to get that one. Yep. You went into the draft without any first round or second round picks. Yep. And they get they moved up to get Mims at sixty three, and it turned into the second to last pick of the second round. But that's what happens. You it, you don't have the luxury of drafting mm -hmm. a Bennett. They didn't draft a quarterback this year. Nope. And that, that has been more common not drafting a quarterback than uncommon. Last quarterback they drafted was Drew Locke. Last quarterback the Broncos drafted. And he was a third round. Yep. In not one instance in four drafts, count them, four drafts this decade, 
have they taken a quarterback? That's astounding. In fact, I'm going to go back, uh, if I can find enough time to do this, is there any team in the NFL over the last four drafts that has not drafted a quarterback? A quarterback? Not Ooh, one. Wow. In the last four drafts. Not three, not two. It's probably last draft. not many. No, we'll no. have to take a peek and see who I, I want to see who has gone four drafts without taking a quarterback. A quarterback at any point, not, in not any pick. Taking with Ooh. any pick, any quarterback. That's why you go after Jarrett Stidham and the one bit of over- selling or over-promising, I think, that Sean Payton has done, is making Jared Stidham out to be just what you surmise, and I think correctly, the Rams believe Bennett to be, and that's a career probably backup. a backup. He's a career backup. And it was Payton, as you well know, and as our listeners well know, yeah. who, talked who, who talked up Stidham as potentially a future Broncos starter at quarterback, mm-hmm. which – if they're any good, not. he'll never be. Right. Right. And I think you're still going to see smart teams do this more and more when they have the picks. But you're exactly right. One leads into the other. The Broncos didn't have that luxury. But now with the quarterback salaries being the way they are, even the backups cost you an astounding amount of money. And picking a guy that you feel comfortable in being your, your longer-term backup because you realize they're a very talented college quarterback – uh, they're not going to be an NFL-type top-tier talent, but you know that they're steady, you know they're coachable, all that sort of stuff. You can pick that person, plug them in, and save yourself an awful lot of money. Look, they're not going to pay Stetson Bennett $5 million over the next four years total. The Broncos had to pay $5 million for one year of Jared Stidham, and by the way, if it's not fixed, guess what they're going to have to do again? And over that sign another Jared Stidham after next year. that four year span. Now oh, that yeah, I guess they have a few more you're picks talking next about year. Maybe they'll draft a quarterback. Ten to fifteen million dollars difference on your cap over yeah. a four year yeah, span. I, I smart teams are going to start doing what the Rams did here, and that's my point. The Broncos have not been a smart team over the better part of the last four years, uh, and probably it goes back further than that. But we don't want to dig too far down that rabbit hole or jump too far down that rabbit yeah. hole. All right. Tumble, but, ball, but, uh, whatever. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a lengthy fall. <laughs> um, but, yes, and they could, this is, it, it, people are, and I say people, people in our business, I believe more than the fans, generally speaking, are into quick fixes and uh, instant turnarounds. Even somebody as wise and as insightful as Bill Barnwell of ESPN this week writes a column picks the Broncos for the third straight year to be among the most improved teams in the league, be a playoff team for sure. And Riley admits that he's been dead wrong twice. So take his projection on the Broncos with a grain of salt or several grains of salt. But his position is the only thing, the only thing wrong with the Broncos last year was poor second half coaching and generally bad game management. Other than that, the Broncos would have won nine or ten games last year if they had had virtually any head coach in the league currently coaching, save for Nathaniel Hackett, the guy they had last year, who is not currently an NFL head coach. If they had had a competent NFL coach or even a proven winner such as Sean Payton, they'd have been in the playoffs last year. That's his contention. I think media more than media should buy into that. 
I don't think fans buy into that. And again, this to me is another example of the fans generally being ahead of the media generally in saying, we've been hearing this for seven years now, certainly for the last six. Yep. Show us, don't tell us, we're skeptical. And it's and it's human nature because, I, look, the, the nature of media and the proximity, and you're there all the time, can be a double-edged sword, right? You can get to know these guys. You can get to watch them. You can get to see things, the small little things that change over time. At the same time, um, hopefully, civil, polite human beings don't like knocking other civil, polite human beings, and you're always looking for the best. So at, at times, you have to be able to separate yourself and, and remove yourself from the equation and start looking at just what you're seeing. And that ends up being a challenge. And, and the fans, with some of that separation, can sometimes see things more clearly. It's, it's your textbook forest for the trees and you know fans get knocked though all the time for being fanatics mm -hmm. unreasonable uh always willing to offer the benefit of the doubt i think it's more often media that does that at least in this case mm -hmm. with respect to the broncos i think it's media that more often does that and and gives the Broncos every benefit of every doubt. And again, I'm making a general comment. I'm not into identifying one or two individuals as the cause of all right. uh, problems. No, it's, no. But I do notice in the coverage of the Broncos that more and more, and I understand it's a tougher business now. You don't have the access you once took for granted. You know, when I came up, you know, I got to know virtually all of the Bronco players. And, no, there weren't as many of them as there are now. Yeah. Uh, uh, although in training camp there were more. Uh, but the vast majority got cut. Now it's about 50-50, right? Even to actually more make the team, 53 yeah, out of 90. Out of 90. Team, and the right? cuts all happen at once. So, and the cuts all happen at one time. But, but what I'm saying is that, the media transcribes now, uh, and and it, they they use quotes, and quotes are to be taken as gospel. And I guess we should be thankful that Sean Payton seems to be a little more blunt, at least sometimes in his assessments, than Hackett was, than Fangio was, uh, certainly than Vance Joseph was when he was the head coach here, and is willing to point out, as he did today, uh, right away, after practice, the things he didn't like, and he was very pointed about that, and and the receivers in particular were the were the subject of his uh, displeasure. And what he wanted to see tomorrow was corrections. I'll give you. I'll give <laughs> you not, before not, not just this general. Well, I hope we're better tomorrow. We're improved. Yeah. No, he wants to see fault corrections tomorrow from the mistakes today. Yeah, because the Broncos because are running out of time to get better. It's been a blast talking with you about this, of course, as it always is. They will be back. Joint practices tomorrow start at 10 a.m. will be the final before the preseason finale on Saturday. Thanks to Cody Rourke of Miley Sports for joining us. Check all his work out at MileySports.com. And, of course, the new Miley Sports magazine. Cody's fingerprints are all over it. Make sure you check that one out. It's got Pat Sertan on the cover looking uh, very, very dapper. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth making everything work. Thanks to you, of course, for listening, whether it's on the FM dial or the HD radio or 
MileySports.com, or even easiest, if you haven't gotten it yet, the MileySports app where you get everything. MileySports, all of it, radio, video, written content, the works, all in one spot. So check it out. We will be back tomorrow. For Santa Clough, I'm Sean Drotar, but keep it right here on MileySports.